Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Give us a king to judge us. 1 Samuel 8, 6. Give me an inheritance now. Luke 12, uh, 4, 15, sorry, verse 12. Give me this mountain. Joshua 14, verse 12. We've been working through the book of 1 Samuel, and we've been talking about the, the fact that uh, we need to dedicate or rededicate ourselves afresh this year. And we get to 1 Samuel 8, where we're looking at the choices that the people have made, even though they've been told countless times how to recommit their lives to the Lord. And so today, my, my message is ask, ask with a passion and with a heart for God. Ask, ask things of him. And we've just heard these three statements. Give us a king. Give me my inheritance. Give me this mountain. Give me is a powerful request in the spiritual realm for both good and bad. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of mums here uh, that would want to add in, what's the special word? You know, say please, give me. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we think about Caleb and, uh, and the uh, statement he made, it just wouldn't have had the same ring, eh, if he'd just come up, rocked up to jo- Joshua and said, uh, look, um, is this a good time? Uh, excuse me, uh, Joshua, uh, could I please have that mountain that I was promised? <laughs> he said, give me this mountain. <laughs> and I think God you know, can handle us asking him things directly. He wants us to be passionate about what we are, are saying and uh, asking from him. They say that we Kiwis are far too polite. Air stewards say that you can always tell we Kiwis on a long-distance flight because we always wait for that steward, you know, to just happen to come past before we ask for anything, you know. Something in our DNA doesn't want to be a bother. And something in us doesn't want to be a pain and make the steward come halfway down the plane. I was raised in a home where you accepted what you were given, you did what you were told, and you never had a choice over small things. Mum would decide what was good for us to eat, and we would be uh, often not wanting to eat that thing, but um, by the time that mum had finished with us, we loved that food. (laughs) She'd also decide what was suitable for us to wear, and she was right 90% of the time. (laughs) We learned to eat everything and eventually like it and not to be too self-conscious. One school holiday, though, uh, we stayed on a farm in Tamarunui with an old school friend of mum's. And mum kept telling her friend what my sister and I would like to eat until day three. When mum's friend said, shush, Dorothy, turned to us and said, what would you like, Murray and Kathy? At age seven and ten. 
And, uh, and we were like, whoa, you know, we were gobsmacked. And um, we were actually excited to be given the choice. But in that moment, in that moment, we were completely inexperienced in decision making. <laughs> in a sense, the people of Israel, with the exception of perhaps Joshua, Caleb and a few others, were like my sister and me when we finally got to choose. When it came to decision making, in Samuel's day, we've already seen from our previous chapters in 1 Samuel that certain decisions the people made were disastrous. Taking the Ark of the Covenant into battle without prayer was a very costly example. You see, 400 years of slavery had made them ill-equipped to making God-ordained decisions. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're up to chapter 8 today. And let's read from verse 4 to 9. 1 Samuel 8. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of, of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. Kind of got him in the, in the heart, you know. And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since that day, I brought them up from Egypt even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods with a little g, so they are doing to you also. Now then, verse 9, listen to their voice, however you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. The message version says in verse 6, when Samuel heard their demand, give us a king to rule us, he was crushed. How awful. Samuel prayed to God. And these are my words. Samuel was crushed, but not broken. He was disappointed, but not destroyed. Samuel had led Israel as a judge and prophet all the days of his life. He'd given his life to this. And essentially the people are saying, you know, thanks, but no thanks to Samuel. They're putting Samuel on notice. Since the death of Eli and the return of the Ark of the Covenant, things were actually going quite well. In the previous chapter, chapter 7 and verse 3 and 4, we read that under Samuel's leadership, worship had been reestablished, firmly reestablished by getting rid of idols. Fasting and prayer was accompanied by the pouring out of water at the altar of repentance in verse 6. 
And the Philistines had been pushed back in verse 13. And Israel had made peace with the Amorites in verse 14. See, things have been going well for 20 years. 20 years since the Ark incident. Wow, what a bombshell to find yourself being made redundant at the top of your game. Samuel had a lot of emotional attachment to this role and commitment to judge and to be the, the uh, spiritual leader over all of Israel. So much so that he did an, a, an annual trip. He did a road show round to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah before returning back to his home in Ramah in verse 16 and 17. He kept the vision alive. He sorted out disputes and was a great role model of faith. Don't we need that? Don't we need that leadership role in a nation? You know, however, perhaps in serving, all of the serving, you know, his sons missed out on that precious dad time. Because that was the only negative charge that the elders could bring against Samuel, in verse in eight, verse three, chapter eight, verse three, that his sons had not walked in his ways. I just want to talk a moment about family family life. Uh, many years ago, um, a friend came to us and shared that our eldest son was struggling with our workload. He'd sort of got the low down from the kids. And um, our, our oldest, Craig, was struggling with our role as youth pastors. Our weeks were filled with activity, ranging from teaching Sunday school, attending Huntley College, student prayer meetings and the lunchtime outreach, after-school clubs, boys' study groups, to Bible in schools and the ver various weekly youth group activities. And as a result of our friend's visit we decided to make some changes. We, we, we decided that the school terms were so busy that we would try and get away every school holidays. And we did fairly well, I think. Sort of two or three times a year we would try and get away. These were, And these were really wonderful times. And we've built some awesome memories from those times. Our boys were actually blessed going to cool events and camps for teens when they were only 10. And they loved hanging out with teenagers twice their age. They even all married older women, <laughs> older girls. But just aside there. Um, but there was nothing, uh, you know, there was nothing like those family getaways. I heard a famous preacher say that he was only in ministry because his own father had pray, prayed for him and played with him. We need both the fun element and the faith element in our families, amen, in order to bring balance. And, you know, there's a risk. There's a risk whenever we do God's work and commit to something. There's a risk uh, that we, uh, you know, not giving our kids enough time. But there's also a risk that when we say no 
to the Lord's prompting to serve that our children pick up that same attitude towards you know, the needs of hurting people and finally lose faith because our actions don't match our words. So it's a real balancing act. Don't we walk a fine line there? So Samuel had, had failed in that area, but he'd excelled in every other area. Samuel's spirit was crushed when the people asked for a king. But he took it directly to the Lord in prayer. That's a key, isn't it? Verse 6. Verse 6 ends with the words, And Samuel prayed to the Lord. Listen to the Lord's response as a loving father to Samuel. In verse 7. Let's read it again. And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me from being king over them. What an awesome, what an awesome father our God is, eh? He encouraged Samuel in that moment. He said, It's not you, it's me. They are rejecting me. You've done okay. And uh, you know, he he was actually lifting Samuel's spirit out of despair. In a nutshell, he says to Samuel, You've done over and above what I've asked. It's me they're rejecting. They're asking with the wrong spirit and with the wrong motive. And in verse 20, if we read on, after a really long explanation of what a king would do to them and what he's like and what he would demand from them, they basically say, yeah, whatever, but we want to be like everybody else and have a king. So it did not move them how much the king would demand from them. They still wanted a king. And God gave his permission. And I think sometimes, you know, God permits us to have what we want, even when it's probably not going to be the very best way for us to live. He can make us miserable by giving us what we want or not what we want if our heart's wrong. And he gave them what they wanted. That blows me away. Haven't we got an amazing dad? And there's a lesson in there for parenting. Sometimes we've just got to let people go for it and try try themselves and and be there and pick them up when there's there's probs down the track. James 4 verse 3 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so you may spend it on your own pleasures. Haven't we all done that? Haven't we all done that? Ask with wrong motives. We ask the Lord for wants and not needs. And we ask for personal favors at times when we should be seeking the extension of his kingdom. He is a good father and he wants us to have good things. Hear me right. He wants us to have time out. He wants us to have fun. He wants us to enjoy beauty. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But he favors those who ask him in the right spirit. God is well pleased to bless those who ask with passion and heart. 
But there are some conditions. We're just going to look at three. These conditions separated the prodigal son's ask for his inheritance. He was coming from a wrong place. From Caleb's ask, who was asking for a good thing, saying, give me this mountain to conquer and settle on. These are the conditions that change everything when we ask. Can I respectfully ask you to take up the challenge this week to ask God for things? Ask, ask, ask what, whatever's going down in your life. Ask God for help. Ask him for the answer. Ask him for more patience. Ask him for more peace. Ask him for more people. Whatever it is, ask him. But these are the conditions. Number one, we need to ask when our motives are pure. Ask yourself these questions. Why do I want this? It really does sort out the needs from the wants. Ask yourself who will benefit and ask how it will grow God's kingdom. Here's the number two condition when we ask. Ask when we've prayed for wisdom and the Holy Spirit's guidance. Be like Samuel and take everything to God in prayer. Even our upsets. If we've got upsets with people, especially our upsets with people, before we ask, get that sorted. Bible says, leave your gift on the altar and go and sort it out with your brother. Ask, is this in line with Scripture? Here's a good tip. Don't pray that God will bind the police while you rob a bank, even if it is to fund your mission trip. Don't ask for protection. Don't ask for protection when you take a 50-kilometer-an-hour corner at 120 k's an hour, even if you have a one-way Jesus sticker on your bumper and your car's got no warrant. In other words, only ask for things that are morally and legally right. Good tip. Lord, bind those, please. Number three, ask when we are God's friend. Whoa. Ask when we are God's friend. You may well ask, well, how can I be a friend of God? We become a friend of God when we ask his son Jesus, who we've celebrated this morning, into our life as Lord and Savior. We heard last week that he is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings and the God of Gods with a little g. He's a God with a big G. He will honor that prayer. When we ask him in, he will come in. Revelation 3 verse 20 Knock at the door, he will open it. Oh, he knocks at the door, that's right, and we open to him. Yeah, he wants to come in. We remain being his friend by obeying him. John 15 verse 14 says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. His commands are there in black and white. They're in the written word, that's the Logos, and they come to us in a spoken form that's called the Rema of God, of 
voice of God speaks to us and prompts us and tells us stuff and teaches us how to live. Don't try and run before you can walk. You know, we just need to listen to his voice little by little, learn to hear his voice in the small stuff so we can hear him in the big stuff. Have you been listening lately to the voice of the Lord and obeying what he says to do? I want to come back to my little story about my mum. I'm thankful to God that my mum disciplined us wisely because now my sister and I, just because that was the story, I got other brothers and sisters, but my sister and I became better at making choices because mum disciplined us as kids. I'm asking you and encouraging you, I'm asking this, that we mature, we grow up in God, and we make wise choices, and we ask things in his name. Amen. Let's go out this week and ask for help, like Aaron on the work site. Maybe if we had more time, we'd see more testimonies of that. And maybe we can bring those testimonies back next week where we've asked God and they've come through and, and we celebrate that together. Can we do that this week? Ask, ask, ask him in the right spirit, with passion and with a right heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word where, where, where Samuel came before you immediately with that hurt. Lord, help us to deal quickly with hurts, deal quickly with the things that we've been so emotionally attached with. When they get ripped away from us, Lord, we come to you in prayer and we ask you for help. And Lord, we pray that we wouldn't be like the elders with a wrong motive. Lord, we pray we'd guard our hearts against wanting all the, all the selfish stuff. We pray we'd have good asks in us that we can testify to in the coming days, Lord. Come by your Holy Spirit and speak your word. Use your written word to, to, to light the path. Bring it to life, Lord. Um, just bring your word to life through your Holy Spirit, we pray. This day, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening.